0: we 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 want to bring everybody back home before they start before they start their journey on their addiction. they gotta we reconnect them to who they are first. So we take them to like Majorville, we take them to um riding on Stone National Park. That's one of the biggest we used to go down for big ceremonies there. There's like the Buffalo jump all these places. Around here that have connection to us and when our guys in our program seen that they were blown away. You know, and it makes them made them want to learn more about who we are and they're they're hooked now. Yeah. Shit I'm hooked. Is there anyone out there?
1: From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey.
2: Welcome back to another episode of From Darkness to Life and Our Collective Journey podcast here at the Plugged in Media Network studio extraordinaire, and uh, thanks to our sponsor, Nicole Davis Real Estate. Um, this is a continuation of last week's episode, a conversation with Trevor Pelchet of uh, Siksika Nation. He's the director at the shelter that they have out there, as well as uh, elder in training with the Horn Society. Um, amazing conversation last week. If you haven't listened to that, uh, maybe hit pause right now and go back and, uh, and get caught up or this might be a little bit wonky for you. Yeah. Go back and listen because it was
3: fascinating. And Trevor has some amazing insight and historical stories and whatnot that he loves to share with us. And uh, that's kind of what this portion is today.
2: Yeah. So without any further ado, we'll uh, pick it up where we left off.
0: Roll it, Dave. Our people think differently. Our elders were smart, like Crowfoot when he signed a treaty, he made sure that they were, had everything right. He just didn't sign just because, but some say there was a, a cannon that was set up on top of that hill where the, and Black Cross and where it was set up. They said there was a cannon pointed toward them and said if they didn't sign, it would fire that cannon off on our people Well, they were going to sign. You know, like how, how, how do you deal with that? You know, he mm-hmm. was dealing with, And he spoke, he translated all that, you know, all that stuff. So if you ever look at the the treaty, if you ever actually sit and read the whole, I think it was that, um, they actually brought it to, um, what is that, Fort Calgary was on display there. Mm -hmm. So if you ever read it in there, you know, that wasn't just, they made sure that it was, it was proper, but because the way it was, then then the, the Indian Act came in. That's the most racist piece of um, anything the government had. That was the most racist piece of legislature ever. And it still affects us today. You know, and it affects us who, we, like, what we're trying to do and, and how we, we try to do things. And um, the government saying, no, you can only do this, you can only do that, you can only do this, spend our money this way. This and that. That that's how it is, you know. You know, we get five dollars a day or five dollars a year from the government. So even till today, even though the the money all the all the everything went up in price, the inflation. Shouldn't shouldn't that five dollars increase every year? No, they don't they don't believe that. No, you guys get five dollars a day and we have to shake a Mountie's hand in order to get our money. <laughs> I and mean, that's still today. So a Mountie st- stands beside the people that pay us and you have to shake that guy's hand and then give me the money. So you oh, tell me, if like you have to say, thank you. Yeah. You have to yeah, shake your hand. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, It's fucking crazy.
0: So, you know, like a lot of, a lot of people don't, don't know all this stuff, but that's how it is. And that's how it's always been. And that's how we're, we're, we're treated like that. Like I said, we're just a number. But in reality, to us, our people are so forgiven. And now that, you know, our chief and council that we have today, you know, in our chief, he's a very outspoken person. And that's what we need. We need people that are going to fight. Mm-hmm. And not not like fight, fist fight, fight for our right to be who we are and how we want to run our schools, how we want to teach our, we want to bring our language and embed it in everything that we do. Our signage, everything that we have around our stop signs are changed now in our language. You know, I never had the privilege of teaching, got, teaching, getting, getting, getting to learn the language, I didn't get that privilege, but that doesn't make me less of a black person Mm -hmm. you know, I, I I was it just struck me one day and it, like, I just wanted to learn more, I wanted to learn more and more and more and when the opportunity came to join the societies I didn't go seeking for it people came to me I just worked my butt off to help other societies get their stuff ready, help set up teepees. I made sure I was down at the Sundance at 8 in the morning helping out, helping people cut wood, and, you know, helping the Buffalo women, the Brave Dogs, the Gito Geeks, the Eatskinaiks, you know, all those societies. I helped them all before I even joined this because I just thought it was something that I could give back because I wasn't a part of it. So I seen, I had dreams and like all these things were coming to me and to, to pick it up. And it just, I want to know more. I want more. It's an, it's like a, it's an addiction in, in culture. And now I'm at that point where I'm tired of people using it to, to make money and to, to, you know, like people within Calgary, they're abusing the system. They're, they're, they're not even from our territory, but it's our job. I believe it's our sole job as Blackfoot people to have, not control, but to have the say in pretty much anything it is that we're doing. You know, because it's our territory. You know, it's it's our job to take care of the people, that the visitors that come here. So other tribes and stuff, I have no problem that they're here. But it's it's helping them finding support for them because they don't have that where they come from you know and like within medicine hat whatever it is that six God can do to help you know that's that's what I want to do I want to reconnect not only black but people but people within our territory because I believe it's our job to reconnect culture to to the to the Society, the society of, of well, they say white man, right? The the general society. I want people to understand where we come from, and I and our people are so forgiving, like I said before. We can be mad. There's people doing like, um, doing marches in Ottawa and all that kind of stuff. But if we had our chiefs stick together and one as one whole as one whole nation, mm-hmm. not just black, mm-hmm. but Crees, if everybody came together and one united together to, to start spreading that, you know, we would be stronger mm-hmm. by by number than being individual. Then, you know, the world would be a better place for native people and, and, and white people and black and Asian and, you know, all the people that come to here they understood where they are and who we are as blackfoot people in this territory and take that piece of just understanding because we think differently our people learn differently we had some um guys come to the shelter one time they they brought this that 12-step book to the shelter one day and P- puts on a table oh, can you read this I'm like okay what do you mean Like, do you want me to read it and he's like yeah just have a look at it so I'm like what is this and he said it's a 12 step manual for addictions I'm like what do you mean read it I'm not going to read this and he goes well why I said well go put this in front of the, the guys in the program in the back so he's like okay so puts it in front of them okay I want you guys to learn this and he came back the next day, like he came back after he was done. And he's like, how come nobody was like, I said, that's not how you, you don't approach <laughs> us like that, black people. We don't learn that way. You can't give me a book and say, learn this. Mm-hmm. You take that book out of there. You, you introduce what you're doing. You introduce what you're doing with oral stories with not, by saying, oh, you have to learn how to do step 12, because everybody is in a different step in their life. So, you know, I'm not going to tell you to go read step 5 and you're on a step 7. I'm at step 8, you're at step 3. I can't, that's not how we learn, you know. If you connect with each person, so it's up to you to take, find out what step you're in, find out what step he's in, find out what step he's in, don't, Put that book in there and tell everybody to read it front to back because we're not going <laughs> to learn it that way. So the next time those guys came, those are uh, the, there, there. Okay, we we didn't bring no books this time. <laughs> we're going to sit and talk. I should learn who the people are you're with. Mm-hmm. And boom, they sat with everybody. What's your plan? What are you going to do? How do you want to? You know that well, that was one thing that that they don't under, they don't understand that our people see. And that's what I'm trying or see things different, and that's what I'm trying to 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 teach other people like with you guys, you know, to have an understanding of where we come from. It's not it's not the way um what do you how would you say it? It's not like structured that way in our mind. We have it a, a different way. You know, you guys have a way to think. And how you learn, right? You have a different way to learn. I have a different way to learn. It's about finding that connection to that person. Mm -hmm. You can't just walk up to somebody and say, hey, learn this. Do you want to learn how to to beat addiction? I can show you. Just use this cookie cutter. (laughs) Cut this. You can take this part. This is how you're going to learn. You're going to learn this way. You're going to learn this way. I'm going to tell you how to learn. Mm -hmm. That's not how it is, you know. And I'm sure you guys have seen that. We for all sure. have different journeys in our life, different demons we deal with. But it's just learning how to step aside, put all the books aside for a second and say, let's learn how this person thinks. Let's mm-hmm. learn how this person is. How, does this, how are you going to get to him? And that's what we're doing in our program. We're, so cool. we're learning how to connect. And like I said before, it's not, uh, I think at the conference, a lady asked me, well, how do you how do you how do you use spirituality and and culture to defeat addiction? I'm like, who said that? <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm I'm not. It's not defeating it. It's learning how to understand and connect to a person before you start helping them. Yeah. And that's what I was talking about before. You you can't put somebody into treatment and say, "There, you follow this this schedule. And learn." you're not going to teach anybody that way. You're not going to teach anybody how to get to where they need to be by just following a pattern of somebody else's journey for sure.
2: Well, it's uh, like, that brings me back to a meeting that we had this week with some agency people, right? The, the, the subject matter experts, right. On, on recovery and, and, uh, and they were trying to figure out like what we do that's different. Right. (laughs) And they're like, so here's, you know, here's, and I could just tell they were trying to get us on board with like their checklists. Right. And I'm like, well, no, we just talk and figure out what that person needs. We don't tell them what they need. Mm -hmm. We ask them what they need. And then we support them in achieving that. We don't go in prescriptively and go, here's, here's your book. Right. (laughs) It's like. And it, you could just tell that they were so entrenched in the system that they've been entrenched in that they couldn't even fathom. They're like, well, that's not going to work. Right. And I'm like, well,
0: no, clearly it is because it's working. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and that, that's the thing. That's the thing. People that are on those boards and sit way above who we are, they say, okay, like I said, we have a lot of trouble with health health care. The health health system. It's because they have people that aren't on the front mm-hmm. front lines. They don't know what we see, what we hear, what we witness, and how we help each other. They don't see that. Oh, one way to learn. This is how you learn. This yeah. is how you do that. They don't understand. They got to change that way of thinking. And it happens at home. It's happening at home right now. Uh, in Chicago, there's people. That because you don't have an education, because you don't have a bachelor or whatever it is that you you achieve, I have nothing against people that go to school. Mm-hmm. You no, know, by all means, yeah, I want everyone to go to school. I want my son to go to school. I want my daughter to go to school. But the thing is, lived experience is so much different. And if you have lived experience, that's what I have. Mm-hmm. Um by witnessing others, I didn't. I struggled with addiction a little bit, but not as much as other people did. But I understand where they come from. Mm-hmm. I understand they have a story. I understand they have their own demons. I understand that they have their own path. I understand they always think differently. But the thing is, people that walk around with their degrees and stuff, they think they're, they're they're the person to have their way. They're, you're going to learn like this. You're going to do it like how I want to do it. And that's the trouble we're having on a reserve. It's, they call them um, silos. I don't think it's just a reserve. Program. No, I, but I'm just saying this in yeah. general at home sure. right now. Yeah. <laughs> but we're breaking that now within our own department and family mm-hmm. services. We are now uh, working on... Um, social development—that—that—that's never happened before. We structure on the reserve; it's so structured. The housing does housing, right? Public works does public works, health does health. But now it's we're, we have a Sixaga hub that we we worked on in the hub development that uh, we got. We're using that now. So each department, each entity within Sixaga is actually supporting. We're helping each other, we're helping families. One family, we have a list of people that we go down. We help all these people that are within addictions, Mm -hmm. um, people that are are having housing issues and having people like 16 people in one house. And that's one of the biggest problems too on Reservants. Lack of housing, I think there's 98 houses boarded up. We're not getting enough funding to help support those houses. Now that we got this claim, that, that that $1.3 billion claim for a 1910 surrender that we have, now it's, we got to learn how to put that and start using it. Mm-hmm. You know, We're only allotted so much for different uh, programs and stuff, and that's what people don't see. Because the shelter is so new, I know we're seven years old. It started um, December 9th. Seven years ago, because somebody passed away in a car, froze. Mm-hmm. That's why it was open. It should have been open 40 years ago, 30 yeah. years ago. We had mm-hmm. a lot of our people have struggled with addictions. I think the liquor store opened in 1970, 1976. So, I know 1967. So ever since then, with residential school, it's had a huge impact on our people for sure, because we're not around, we weren't around that. We weren't, we, our people didn't grow up around mm-hmm. that. I heard stories from before that, you know, families were doing stuff together. People were, you could leave your door open at your house and if your family would come from uh, down south to home. They would stay there for four days. They would come back on, on a horseback and uh carriage. They would come and visit. Stay four days. But our doors would be open. You could visit people. You could sit down one to one. Not sitting on your phone. Yeah. You know? That's where we get the teachings. And that's why we're so oral. Our people are that's how we learned. You could go sit with an elder for days. And that's what within our societies today. We're still doing that. We're going to sit with elders, guys that have learned from the old people. And those guys learned from their elders and their You know, so now it's, we're we're recapturing all that stuff that we have been losing, and it's coming back strong. But what's happening now, it's, because our people lost their identity, the language isn't there. Mm -hmm. Just this population knows the language, not not anybody below this age, you know what I mean? It's like the second generation Mm -hmm. has the language still. The third generation has partial language. The fourth generation has next to none, and the fifth generation—boom—they don't have no language. Yeah. So now, how how do you, you know, just from that's that was what residential school did. Mm-hmm. It did that much damage. You know, loss of language within our prayers, there's our ceremonies, and some the language is different in the ceremony than it is until everyday life language and a lot of people don't know that mm-hmm. within our societies there's a different block but language used in a different way to pray and within our everyday life our language was so straight to the point you, 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 somebody asked you how to say um, uh, well my mother-in-law one time a lady asked me they didn't know how to say snowman so I went back to her the one day and I told her, I said, how do you say snowman? She's like, what? I said, well, the ladies at the school are trying to, we're making snowmen and they're trying to do, but they don't know how to say it in black. And she goes, well, which way do I say it? So there's five different ways I can tell you. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Because it's our, it's the way you see it. Mm-hmm. I could be walking up to it. I, I say it this way. I drive past it. I say it differently. I see uh, how somebody's building it. That's a different way to say it. How does it look? That's a different way to say it. So there's so many different ways in our language how to say things. And that's where the connection comes to our language, to who we are. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. You know, we're so well-connected. But if we're losing our language, we got to find a way to, like, Know, capture it mm-hmm. you know and by us embedding it in our within our schools we can't because the government says no you can't do that you have to teach this curriculum you have to teach this you have to spend your money on this you can't so that's that's what I'm saying it it, it stems from the funding to the housing to the mm-hmm. everything that that the government sets for us you have to do it this way. That's why there's so much trouble on earth because people are fighting for scraps. We shouldn't be fighting for scraps. They should be saying, well, let's have a a $5 million shelter and let's let's have all this programming. Let's get to all these people. Let's get the people that speak the language in the schools. Let's have black-speaking teachers that everybody can learn from that have their degrees. Like Native people have people that have have their lawyers and teachers and politicians and we're, we're, our people are, are here, we're here, but we don't use each other because we don't have the money to fund, to help pay for them to be on a reserve. So they go elsewhere and we can't have that. You know, it's within yeah. our hockey programs too. Like we, we start hockey and uh, everybody starts probably what, mid August. You know, in the surrounding areas like Strathmore, and yeah. so their kids are have a head start on us because we're so. Oh no, we we can only put it in in October, or we can only. It's it's just like. Well, how can we get funding to have the rink open all year? Yeah, let's take these kids off, off the street, walking around, walking around town, doing whatever it is they're doing. Let's put hockey programs in. Let's have a program, for sure. an after school program for basketball. Let's have a. um, Um, Like, just find ways to get the language, the connection and embedded in our people. You know, everybody only works 4 to uh, 8 to 4.30, then everybody's done during the day. So you can't call. I think the shelter is the only shelter, and I think crisis, and another couple others that are open (laughs) after 4.30. We just, we don't have that. You know, but if we had that, where we had keep our kids out of trouble, mm-hmm. and but teach them who they are at the same time. But embedded in our in our children, it's important to learn this as a blackwood person. There's people in our 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 at home that have never even been to the Sundance ever because they don't understand it. They they're afraid they were they were. Dialed in to say no. You don't do. We don't learn that way. That's that's not how we are. We go. We we go to church. We do this and that. It was. We we're so far ripped away from our, who we are. Because they didn't have an understanding of where we come from. Because right. it's so embedded in them to learn. All this stuff first, before they found out who we are. And that one guy in our program said. You guys gave me a chance to find out who I am. and Now I know who I am.
2: And that's, <clears throat> that's cool. like, we're way past what we usually go. And I could just keep going for sure. And uh, But what it keeps bringing me back to is, you know, for the last probably year of this, I've been kind of circling back to the, the two things you need to overcome addiction or community and purpose. But when your community stripped away from you and you don't have that option and like the system's rigged against you yeah it's even pretty tough to find your purpose right <laughs> like <laughs> like no wonder no wonder you guys have the issues with substance use that you do no mm-hmm. wonder you know and then you you pile the trauma on top of that yeah.
0: And our housing situation in the housing
2: situation yeah. like man, the some, some are s- houses are
0: like honestly third world conditions yeah yeah like, and, and it's not, it's not all just six of Gods everywhere.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've driven through Browning, Montana, but like it's, it's, yeah. And
0: that's it, bad. It's yeah. a bad place to, yeah. it's, it's, it's struggling hard, yeah. you know. And with the chief we have today, he's fighting against that. Not only him, other chiefs they are going after, they're, they're making sure that when they give us funding and stuff, it's our choice to, distributed distributed the way it is it. you know we got that's the thing it's we they gotta let us understand that we think differently mm-hmm. we approach things differently you know we're not we're not we're not going after we're not trying to try to be selfish with what we have we share we give every everything we do as a Blackfoot person, we give everything we got when we play sports, going to school, um, um, like learning things and stuff. We, we give it everything we have, you know, just to, to, to show how how we are and how resilient we are as people. When we had that flood, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. Oh, pic- yeah, yeah, yeah. Those pictures of those three teepees that were down in the valley. Yeah. Yep. Those three teepees, the houses were lost were swept away, but except those three teepees weren't. And we always say, well, that's the structure of our home. Mm-hmm. And that's what Ineco Gun is all about. It's that you're born in a teepee, you're taught your lessons in a teepee, so your, your parents teach you how to be uh, a Blackfoot person, how to be a, to, to share and understand and work hard. From home, so within our teepee and our, our where we come from, that's why we 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 want to bring everybody back home before they start before they start their journey on their addiction. They gotta we reconnect them to who they are first. So We take them to like Majorville. We take them to um, riding on Stone National Park. That's one of the biggest. We used to go down for big ceremonies there. There's like the Buffalo Jump, all these places around here that have connection to us. And when our guys in our program seen that, they were blown away. You know, and it makes them made them want to learn more about who we are and they're they're hooked now. Yeah.
2: Shit I'm hooked.
0: Yeah, like you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Now now our staff are hooked and everybody wants to learn mm-hmm. and who we are. <clears throat> it's not, it's not a secret. It's not a secret anymore. It's not like we were holding it, but it was, the government put a lot of stops to a lot of shit that we did. Yeah. But our people are resilient and they push forward and they're, they're we're not, our voice is going to be heard now. It's not going to be pushed, pushed aside anymore. Yeah. Wow.
3: Well, why don't you, I know you've mentioned the shelter a few times. You've mentioned the staff um, a few other items along the, the podcast and Rick and I had the privilege and the honor of coming out, sitting with you guys for the day earlier this spring. And when you showed us the shelter and the programming that you guys have developed out there yourselves, you know, I was blown away. I walked into this old hockey rink, not knowing what to expect, expect. And then to see the stuff that you guys have put into motion out there, it's fucking fascinating. And, and it's that piece about, you know, the passion you have for helping another human being. And when you shared that story of how it started when that individual passed away in that truck mm-hmm. on that frozen winter night and that spearheaded everything moving forward, mm-hmm. I, can you talk about that a little bit? Cause some of our listeners don't know anything about so, that.
0: So, so when it did happen, when that gentleman passed away, it, um. Our chief council passed it right away. Okay, we need to open an emergency shelter. So I think they just found a bunch of guys to go and watch. Oh, use the old community center. We'll put it in there. So, like, we started at the back. Like, the door was open. Anybody could go in there and warm up. We had people drinking in there. We had people partying in there. We had people coming in from domestic disputes. We had people with children coming in there, intoxicated. Mm -hmm. I seen all walks of life. So when we started it, we had no idea what the hell were you and we got into. (laughs) It was, um, I got a phone call. So I, I didn't, I wasn't working with education. I had another job lined up. It didn't work out, whatever. October came, November came, you know, I was collecting EI and I'm like, man, I got to get out of this. I got to. And all of a sudden I get a phone call. You want to come work at the shelter? I'm like, what? We (laughs) have a shelter? Like, yeah. So I said, yeah, I'll come down and work. Uh, So I went and that's where it started. So we developed, we have no paperwork at the beginning. We didn't know how to track anything. We didn't know how to. So we slowly created all our paperwork. We created our our breath checks. So we, we, we understood. So we started going on tours and of, of different shelters. Like, well, how can we run this? So I think we had like 20 mats to start. And we, we started doing like notes and started, um, like just started tracking everything. Okay. And from there, it went from there to, okay, well, let's, let's stop, children from coming here and we'll get family services to get the children services to come and help support. And so we started getting families to come in. We had couples coming in. So they were, it was hard because we, we didn't want to, we didn't know how to, to tell people, you can't, you can't stay with your family there. Mm-hmm. So we'd have little areas for them to have for their family to get a shelf and they put all their stuff on there. And uh, they were sneaking in alcohol and drinking and, like, it was so hard to, like, just get a grasp of all that. So we kept going back to the drawing table. Well, let's try this. Let's do, let's uh, log in their alcohol. Let's keep it in a room so they can't chug before they come in. And that was one thing they were doing. They were down in their ship before they came in. And they were absolutely hammered in there. But, you know, and we were calling the police left and right and, um, like it was so hard. then we went in in the spring of the the next year, we had a plan okay, this is our operational plan. We're gonna put four phases together. We're gonna do a low barrier mat service. We want to have um like what the recovery program is now. We're gonna t- put ten beds aside. We're gonna help individuals prepare for prepare for um treatment and. So we started, so when that, we started that, it didn't happen. It was just dragging on. We weren't getting support from council at the time. All they were doing was just paying for us to stay open. So it went to health. Health said, no. Health said, no, you family services, you take care of this. So then family services took over. So it just went from.
2: It's the hot potato. Yeah.
0: Like you guys take care of it. It's your job. That's your, that's your thing. Yeah. Like, so from there. Like I've seen it change, and we had people that were in there that it was. It's a lot. It's stressful, man. Like it's because where I sit now, it's tough because I'm dealing with these guys and these guys, and I'm talking with my EDS and I'm 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 managing the staff at the same time. I'm doing job descriptions. I'm doing so. I'm doing all this stuff now. Other people have tried the position, but it was hard for them to get going. And finally, we had, um last year, we said, well, let's do this pilot program. We want to do the recovery program. Let's start it. Let's do the second part, like second phase to it. So we had, um, we collected, I think, about 60 mats. And before we actually started, there was a wicked snowstorm that happened. And a bunch of people, just a bunch of random people, like were on from the highway. The, the highway's closed from Strathmore, or from, right from Brooks all the way to Calgary, the highway was closed. So we had people coming to the shelter and it kind of like, I was like, gee, we had people from all over the place. Like we could do this. Like we could actually like house. So we actually, they came, did all that stuff. People came, we fed them all. And, you know, well, so we started working on this plan. Like let's do this pilot pilot plan. So our direct, our CEO met with uh, my good friend, like, Jerry Bamester. She started working with us at within Family Services. Okay, let's do this. This is what we're going to do. We're going to schedule out what they're going to do in a month. We're going to have go to AA twice a week. We're going to have 10 beds. We're going to make sure that each individual is taking care of. Their needs are met before they start doing the programming. Give them a couple days to collect themselves, get themselves we get community paramedics come in and check on the guy, do a, an assessment, help them do an assessment to help find what their path is. So we're we're doing all that stuff. So step by step, working on that each individual. Not just like I said, you don't yeah. you don't tell Bob and Ed to do the same yeah. thing. Here's your book. So we're teaching them, preparing them to get ready for this program. So we got a instructor that has life skills. Blackwood language. And so we started, they started going in and all of a sudden they, all these guys are like, man, this is, I like this. This is good. Like, like to have a Blackwood teacher in there and and speaking the language, uh, we started understanding like, okay, well now we know he thinks differently. Mm -hmm. He thinks differently. He thinks differently. He's different. We have a guy that, um, uh, created our logo. He had uh, he had schizophrenia, like he was treated for years for over it. You know, he had a lot of um, things that that he was dealing with. But when we got to understand him. The best, he was the best artist, one of the best artists that I knew. I have a piece at home that I have that I keep and cherish that he gave me. So I bought it off him, <laughs> cause he was gonna give it to me. I said, "No, I'll buy it off." And he said, "He yeah. said really?" And I said, "Yeah." So that just people like that, you know, had so much talent and they still, we have guys in there, we have a guy that's a mechanic and a carpenter and he's always things in one hat. We have a guy that used to work for Oxford House that's in there. He was in the recovery pro in their program for two years. He worked with them. Mm -hmm. So we have people with so many different talents and that's what building this pilot program started. So from that. From us to having nothing to what we built, mm-hmm. we didn't, we, all we did is just go out and learn from other people. Oh, well, we said, well, let's have, let's have um, these breath checks. We'll do it every 30 minutes, just like the Alpha House does. We'll make sure that people, we do not want to call the police. We want to try and maintain and mm-hmm. help our own people. So the, the phone call stopped, the, the, We were banning people at one time from there, but it wasn't working. So we kept trying all these different processes, processes, trying to change. None of it worked until we just said, okay, let's do this. Let's have this pilot program in the back. We'll have the mat service in front. We'll feed people as they come in. We'll offer laundry. We'll offer showers. You know, because if I was in that situation, I would want to have a sense of dignity. I would want to be clean. I would want to have a comfortable sleep. So that's what we offer. We offer, you come in, you'll get a set of clothes given to you. You, you, It's clean. You can shower. We'll take your clothes. We'll wash them for you. We'll feed you something warm. If you want a blanket to lay down with, we'll give you a blanket and you sleep. When you wake up, your laundry will be done for you and help you out we will give you a clean pair of socks, everything that you get. So you give that sense of pride and that dignity mm-hmm. back in that person. And because we, from doing what we did before, was to kicking guys out with booze and all that stuff. It's Now we understand when somebody comes to us and they're intoxicated and they're loud and they're, they're upset, you know, you know, for example, one day, one of our guys went in and said, he heard a fight going to start. And they're, like, swearing at each other. And so that our worker came over and comes running up to between them both. All right, who's fighting? Let's fight. I'm going to fight you. You, you. I'll fight you first and I'll fight you. And they're like, oh, no, we're not going to fight you. And he's like, he started laughing, eh? He goes, what are you guys getting mad at each other for? Well, I got here first. He's hungry. But he said he's going to eat first. He said, I'll feed you both. Yeah. You know, just that mentality. Before, like, our guys would call the police and say, no, we don't want to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Now we're, we're. We're, we're taking that load off the RCMP because we're learning how to handle that situation at the time. I think it's rare that we call compared to when we were For sure. calling the police all over the place, you know, and like, like that journey from there to now. I never thought we would ever get that far to where we are now. And now in August, um, hopefully the construction everything is still going strong. We're we're actually getting a recovery home, so our our third phase is now opening. So that's next the next step for, that's to key to do the next part of our phase three yeah, transition, transitional transition. home. And now that all this stuff is happening. I'm like, we're like we're doing it. Mm-hmm. It's happening. We're doing all this stuff and it's it's happening, you know. And like I told you before, like. I'm new at this stuff. I'm 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 looking for support, and that's why I reached out to you guys and I connected to you. It was actually funny because I just talked to you when we were at that conference real quick, and then I was on the phone with somebody and uh, Ryan was across the hall and he was on his phone and and then um, I looked at him and I said uh, I said something about Six Gun and he's like, oh, you you say from Six Gun? I said, yeah, I'm from the shelter. I'm from Madison Hat. We drive by we drove by there oh, so where are you from? And he said, oh, I'm the OCJ where, uh, my partner's over there. And I said, I think I just talked to him, right? <laughs> he said, yeah. So, you know, I was like, boom, right there. I was like, oh, shit, okay, let's go. So we we're talking about hockey and, you know, and it was just like, you know, I just had this instant, like me, I have like a, like it just hit me like, man, I, I got to talk to these two guys and I want to find out like what they're doing. And, mm-hmm. You know, and it just hit it off. Like, it just, like, like I said, like, like we're distant, like far brothers and <laughs> like we weren't, hadn't seen each other in a long time. It just, you know, and it, it, it grew. And now, you know, I, I, I look up to you guys because you guys are where I want to be. I want to get, not myself, but as a, as a gone, we want to be where you guys are. We want to start helping our people. Within the city as well. Now we want to reach out to Calgary and have a, a an outreach team to, to mm-hmm. go out and to support our people and have um, a, a addiction counselor on hand. We want to have a a doctor on hand. We want to have a um, who an elder on hand to go out and reach out to the people in the community. You know, to be where where we were from when we started to now. Mm-hmm. I never thought we would get there, and we're getting there. You know, and it sounds familiar. Yeah, and it's support. You know, it's the support that you know. And I, you know, want to thank you guys for all the support you've shown us. You know, we still have a lot of work to do, but we're going to get there. You know, we're going to get there, and that's that's the goal that we've all set at the shelter at at home. You know, I got a I got a solid team that, you know, we're all on the same page. We want to we want to help just as much as anybody else does. And it's the passion. If you have the people that wanna fight for for our our people that aren't gonna stand up for them, then that's that's gonna that leave it to us and we'll we'll step up and help them. That's that's our goal, is to to help mankind not only to for our people, but everybody that we surround ourselves around that needs support and addiction. You know, when I went to that conference, like it blew my mind. I was like I was meeting people left and right, and like, um, there's a few people there that kind of threw me off because I didn't really, <laughs> you know, because you can tell, like, they're, yeah, there's a few there. that threw me off too. They're not, they're not there for, they're just there to be. Oh, I want them to see me. I want them to, mm-hmm. you know, and I, no disrespect to them, but if everybody, if everybody just stopped for a second, and changed and turned their 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 ego off and said, okay. How can you really support somebody? You know, how can you really support somebody that is in time, that needs that time to get, um, for example, real quick, I had a a girl come to me one time. She was in, she was in, I'm not going to say the place. Mm -hmm. She was in this treatment home. She basically was not sleeping properly. She didn't have enough to eat. She was hungry. So she gets to this place. They give her two days to get focused on this program. She has to wake up at seven o'clock. You have to be up by seven. You have to have your bed made. You have to have your clothes up. You have to do this. You have to shower at this time. You have to have. You have to have your breakfast at this time. You have to finish for, for eight thirty. And she's like, "I can't do it. I can't. I can't get into it." You know, she was so happy they got it. She got in there. But once she got in there, Mm -hmm. boom, you got to do this. And when I say it and how I say it, people don't do it. No, every person in this world does not work that way (laughs) unless you're in the military. You know, that's you've got to change somebody's mind in, in what, eight months they learn? Mm -hmm. So you can't turn somebody... So, so I think I heard this lady one day on, a, on another podcast, 90 days it takes someone to get into a new job to get better. So even hockey players, you trade a player, they're not going to catch it right away unless they are connected with that team in a certain way. It's going to take 90 days. This lady was 92 years old. She said that. <laughs> it takes somebody 90 days to get good at something of where they are. So you you cannot just in two three days hope that that person changes and says, "All right, you're in you're in you're in you're in treatment. You're gonna get better by this date. <laughs> you're gonna take three months and you're gonna you're gonna learn how to to be a part of society again. You can't do that. We got wow. we got to get that. That's got to stop. It's not gonna it's not gonna work that way. And how we're doing it at home. As we're taking the time to understand where this person comes from, how this person thinks, how this person is 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 structuring their how they're structured in their life. Like I said, everybody has a different journey mm-hmm. and that that's the thing. It's it's restructuring, starting them from finding who they are, their identity first. You gotta find out how somebody thinks first. You gotta find out how somebody Um, how somebody's walking on this earth in their path. You know, you can't just, you know, if if everybody just stops for a second and says, I want to find out, I want to get this guy to find his identity. I want him to find himself. Once they find themselves, boom, you're in, you're in there. (laughs) You're in with them. We had a gentleman that he had a hard time talking to people in our program like he was quiet he kept himself you know I, i've seen this boy grow kind, up kind of like rick real quiet <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so like he he now like jokes and laughs and he he's right in there with the boys teasing everybody you know it's it's funny because that's one of our biggest things it's humor yeah we tease the shit out of each other like i'm telling you at work it's uh, at the shelter we tease each other to the max to where it, it just <laughs> you know, we're we're always laughing, and you know, we're always teasing each other about stuff. And you know, like it's it's one of the best places that I've ever worked because we all understand each other. Yeah. We've had people on paths of recovery, like you know, you have your path, and you know, and these guys are my my not my only my friends, but they're they're my colleagues, and I'll back them up. And I'll support them in their, if they're struggling, I'll pull a guy aside and say, hey, how's your day going? You know, just to talk with them for like that time, that makes it it work so much better. For sure.
3: And mean it. Yeah. Yeah, And 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 I actually mean it, yeah. Totally. Not just because you have a policy that that that. says you should do that. Yeah. 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 You actually care. And that's, we, I like to think that's how we are at OCJ too. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, I can
0: see it. You guys, you guys get a lot. We, well, so we got that. to,
3: we got to witness all the heckling and the practical jokes and the stuff when we came out when you invited us out for that. So oh, yeah. we left there and we're like,
0: "You guys just got to." Those uh, dudes are our people. They're just guys, like us. You guys just got a bit of it yeah. now. You know, now it's like they'll just give it to you, man. Like the boys, <laughs> they don't care. Like, like we even were teasing. Um, when Marshall and them came, you know, we we're throwing out little, you know, yeah. And they kind of just laughed, and you know, we even had a guy from, uh, um, he was a, a different native guy. He was from a different place, and but he understood as soon because as, he he had he came to the shelter with no shoes on. <laughs> he was thrown in jail. He's at a baseball tournament. He's uh, I forgot where he was from. He was from up north, and he said, "Oh, you guys are just like the people from back home." You know, the humor was like. <laughs> You know, we're all teasing him. Like, he said, oh, you just did the walk of shame from, <laughs> from, the, from the drunk tank. And he said, yeah, shit, man, I, yeah, I don't know. And then, oh, boy, it's just gone on him, eh? just got out of it. Bad. You know, we brought him back to Calgary. and But that's the thing. It's like, you know, it, the humor is a big part of it. It's a big part of the healing.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, even with the, the guys in the, the residents in our program, their relations, we call them relations. We don't call them clients. Yeah. Because we have a connection to them because we are related somehow, some way, Mm -hmm. but we don't treat, we don't treat anybody as if they're a client. Other departments, oh, they're our clients, they're our clients, they're our clients. I'm so tired of hearing that. I just hate that word, client. Yeah. Our relations are our main concern. And if there's a way we can help them find out who they are, discover what they want to do and where they want to go. Yeah. That's our main goal. And that's, that's the biggest thing. And with humor along the way, you know, and, 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 you know, teasing everybody and, part of, you know, teasing each other, <laughs> is, sure. you know.
3: It's fun, man.
0: And we do, like I get teased all the time, man. Like <laughs> I, like every day, man, to the point where it's like, you know, it just, it, it's funny. I, I enjoy it. It's fun, but you know, that's a part about being the team and, you no, know, we're all on the same page, and we're battling and, and battling the same battle that everybody else is fighting against, but we're doing it in a different way. Absolutely, you know, and that's that's something I really yeah. approach. No, well, it's your approach that we're yeah, yeah. right?
2: Well, buddy, I. uh. We unfortunately do have to wrap this up at some point. We're three big
3: dudes and I'm getting hungry.
2: (laughs) I know I'm hungry. So, you know, I just want to tell you what an honest, like genuine, what an honest, um, pleasure and, and an honor it is to, uh, to play whatever role we can in supporting you guys and what you do. And, uh, you know, I, I, you're, you, you are like family to me. I, I love you, man. And, and watching, watching you interact and how genuinely passionate you are about what you do. And, and every experience I've had either out at Siksika or just in community with your people, nothing but kindness and, and gratitude. And it's been an amazing experience to, you know, get the little glimpse of your culture that I've gotten. And mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm so appreciative for it. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for what you do. Like it's remarkable what you guys have managed to put together and uh yeah i love you man
0: yeah, i love it to you too man like um i want to thank you too you know from inico Khan, from my team you know they're i wouldn't be here without them you know they're you know and i really appreciate that you know that support that you guys have shown and you know i like i said you guys are my family and my brothers and um whatever it is that we're going to battle against addiction we're going to do it as a as, as a family and and give a shout out to all those people that are struggling with addictions and stuff find yourself speak with people and talk if you're even looking for cultural support you know these guys have my connection and mm-hmm. you know I have people that that are talk to you in a second so Igakimat, uh, that means try hard in our language. And uh sin, that means we'll see you again. That's a cutoff. <laughs> so cool.
1: From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you, and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, our Collective Journey is here for you. Please consider supporting OCJ by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking Donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank From Darkness to Life is a Plugged In Media Network exclusive. Thank you for listening.